Amen. Well, if you can, let's get right into it. Um, the message, the title of the message, if you need a title, is Lust-Free Living in a Lust-Filled World. Um, and if you can join me to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, 3 to 5, and we are reading out the Amplified. And to me, uh, the Lord had me speak on this message because I believe that we are all powerful people in this room. And one of the different spirits that are always attacking and robbing powerful people of their purpose and destiny is the spirit of lust. We see uh, with Samson uh, being one of the conquerors of the Philistines, he lost his eyes, he lost his beautiful hair, and he lost his ministry by giving in to the spirit of lust. But on the other hand, we see Joseph who was strained from giving in to his lust, and we see that he gained second in command in Egypt and helped preserve a nation. And I believe that God is trying to bring forth the same fruit that Joseph had in our lives. Amen. But if we don't know how to resist the temptations of the flesh, if we don't know how to walk lust-free in a lust-filled world, chances are we can trip up. And I have encountered a lot of powerful people, a lot of great marriages, a lot of uh, driven people who have fallen victim to the spirit of lust. And we see in the spirit of, uh, excuse me, spirit in the, in the uh, teaching of Samson that he was restored, but his restoration was in his death as well. And, and that's Old Testament. God doesn't want us to have to die to be restored and, and kill all the enemies in our lives. But I believe that under grace, if we have fallen, we can come back up. Amen. God can redeem us from any situation of falling into lust. And that word redemption, everyone say redemption. That word redemption means that which was taken out of place is putting back in place. Amen. That which was once in place, taken out of place, now putting back into place. And I believe that God wants to redeem and restore us back to a place of purity. Amen. Especially if we're going to be the church of Jesus Christ. I believe that there is a divide coming. The religious church with no power and the church of Jesus Christ with a lot of power. And if we're going to have the power we are going to have to walk freely and overcome every spirit of lust. Lust is not your friend. Tell your neighbor, lust is not your friend. And, and the payoff to giving in to lust, guess what it is? More lust. And lust never starts, stops at lust. Lust grows and matures into perversion. It never just stops at the lust you gave into. Lust is not about lusting after an object or a person. Lust wants you to keep desiring and desiring until you are unfulfilled and you keep pursuing the lust, you keep pursuing the lust, until you get to a place to where you're just extremely shameful. And shame just makes you run back to your lust. Amen? So I want to help us walk through um, in scriptures that God has given us the power and authority to come over lust in any areas of our lives. Amen? I also want to expose that not only do men lust, women lust as well. And the way we're wired, that lust looks differently. So we need to be able to identify what lust looks like in men's life and what lust looks like in women's life. Amen? Because without knowledge, what? God's people perish. So I'm praying that we will understand that um, the enemy is intensifying the war against his people through the spirit of lust. We see it in uh, social media. We see it in TV. You can access pornography on your phone. All of these different vices to keep you from being powerful and walking in the destiny that God has for you. 
So we see right here in 1 Thessalonians 4, I'm going to read uh, verse 3 through 5. It says, for this is the will of God. What is it? The will of God. That you should be consecrated, separated, and set apart for what? Pure and holy living. Everyone say holy. That word holy also means hagios, which means separation. And when God is saying you are to be consecrated and separated, he's not necessarily saying you need to be separated from things. He's, he's saying you need to be separated to me. Amen. Because you can separate yourself from things but still be unseparated to God. So in the separation from the things that are lustful and contaminating my life, I need to separate from and separate to a God that can keep me from falling and present me blameless before the presence of God. Amen. And it says right here that each one of you tell your neighbor that means you too. point to your neighbor. That means you check this out that each one of you should know how to possess control manage his or her own body in consecration, purity separated from things profane and honor, not to be used in the passion of lust like the heathen who are ignorant of the true God and have no knowledge of his will. Say it is, say this with me, it is God's will that I possess my body with consecration, with sanctification, with holy living, which means we do not protect our sexuality by indulging into our sexuality. We protect our sexuality by embracing it, and the only way we can embrace it is put it back under dominion to the one who created it. Amen? To try to walk in a lust-free life, but yet indulge into all the lusts that you want to indulge in, you won't be free from it. We do not embrace sexuality by indulging into it, by uh, acting on the impulses of the flesh. We embrace our sexuality by putting it back under the dominion of the one who created it. Amen? Your body is a temple for the Holy Spirit. The creator of the universe is looking for a vessel to pour out his power. The Bible says, I believe in either 1 Chronicles or 2 Chronicles 16, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, looking for someone to show his power through. Amen? He's looking for vehicles in this end time to where he can do powerful things through them. Amen? Does anybody want to be used by God? Now, I'm not saying if we walk in lust that we won't make it into heaven, but when we walk into the lust and obey our flesh, we don't allow heaven to flow through us. And the Bible says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. God is looking for a vehicle to flow his power through, and he wants to use you. But we got to get out of these secret sins. We got to get out of these hidden lusts. We got to get out of these perverted seasons of our life. And we got to embrace our sexuality by protecting it and giving it back to the one who created. You guys with me? Am I speaking to anybody? So the goal, everyone say the goal. The goal is not fighting against it. It's fighting for it. It's not fighting against it. It's fighting for it. God does not want to wrestle with us about our sexuality. He wants us to surrender to him our sexuality. Amen. We see sometimes we trust God to walk in purity until we get to the point to what we, we feel like this temptation is too strong and we give into it. But we can't be like Jacob wrestling 
over giving God his will. Amen. When God wrestled with Jacob, it, it was a it wasn't necessarily a, a wrestling as a much of God wrestling to have his will. Amen. God was looking to get his will to be surrendered to his will. Amen. Because Jacob was known as a manipulator, a charmer, a, a, a slickster. But the moment he surrendered to God, God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And the moment you will begin to submit your sexuality to God, God will turn you from promiscuous to a purified, purity person. Amen. You do not have to claim the title of promiscuity. You do not have to claim the title of walking in perversion. God wants to give you a new name. He wants you to walk in a new identity. He wants you to walk in freedom from your sexual impulses. And you can do that if you are willing to pay the cost, which is surrender. The greatest struggle between you embracing your sexuality is going to be the struggle to always surrender to God. Because God says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. But the only thing about a living sacrifice is we can take it right back off the altar. Amen? No, we, not, we need to constantly keep our bodies, keep our minds subjected to the will of God on the altar. Amen? Because it's at the altar God is doing some alterations in our lives. It's at the altar God is changing us from the inside out. Amen? You guys with me? So check this out. Our culture equates embracing our sexuality with doing whatever feels good. Our culture says, you know what, to embrace your sexuality, just do whatever feels good. If you're a man and you have uh, desires to be with a man, go for it. If you're a woman and you have desires to be with a woman, go for it. That's how you find who you are. That's what our culture says. It doesn't say practice restraint. It doesn't promote you have to resist to find life in Christ. Amen? It says that, which means, according to our culture, denying our sexual urges at any point seems like we're being untrue to ourselves. So many people think they're being untrue to themselves just by not giving in to the, uh, the desires of what self is telling them. Amen? But how many know Satan is a liar? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to steal your inheritance of, of, of a sex-free life until you get married. Amen? Sex is good when you get married. It's real good. God wants you to have lots of it. He wants you to have plenty of it. But sex is a bad thing when we are not committed. Amen. Our generation wants intimacy without commitment. They want the product without the purchase. They, 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 they want the, the intimate without the ring. Our generation wants the credit, but we don't want to pay the credit back. Amen. We use credit card. We don't mind swiping it, but we don't want to pay that bill when it comes. Our generation wants what it wants, how it wants it, and wants it now. Never mind commitment. Never mind embracing a single season so God can, can prepare you for your mate. Amen? And a lot of people, because they're not waiting for God to purify them, they are romanticizing friendships that God never called them to be in a romantic relationship with. Oh, am I talking about somebody? Oftentimes, we think we are supposed to be in a relationship. Really, what you're lacking is just companionship. And that companionship you can find in small groups. You can find in friendships. Amen? But, but, but when we have this desperation, this, this, this lack of God in our hearts surrendered, we will begin to take friendships that God has brought into our life, romanticize them, and sabotage the very friendships that God has brought in our lives. 
Or what we do is, if this is a potential prospect, if this is someone who God is using to possibly be a mate, we take the fruit prematurely. Amen? Have you ever um, saw a fruit that looks good, but it was out of season? It looked so good on the outside. That strawberry was nice and red and brown. I mean, not brown. Amen. Not, that's premature. Red and, and the, the, the little green part was bright green. And then you bit it and it was extremely bitter because you didn't go through the season of when it was supposed to be right. I'm declaring and decreeing that we will no longer jump out of the seasons that God has us to be in. Amen. You have to declare that over yourself. Amen. If you think that you're ready to date, and you have to date, and, and, and you, can't, you can't reframe, then w- w- what it means is you're actually not ready to date. Because if you think you need to date, you basically saying need means that there's something lacking in your life. I don't, I don't need to date. Dating is a privilege because I'm surrendered to God, and God reveals somebody who he's calling me to come alongside with. Amen? I need Jesus. I need the presence of God. And in the presence of God, I find purpose. In the presence of God, I find uh, destiny. And when I find purpose and destiny, that's where I find my mate. That's where I find my spouse. We don't need nobody. We don't need too many people keep marrying the wrong person. Amen. Because a part of answering the call of Jesus Christ in your life, the next most important decision is the the person who you marry. Amen. We need to be marrying people who are called to our destiny. Amen. Not called to do nasty things. <laughs> I tried to find something to rhyme out of that. I couldn't, I couldn't find it. So check this out. Basically, we see in Romans 1, 24 through 28. I want to read this. It says right here, therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. Romans 1, verse 24 through 28 is, is where we're going. In the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies. And among themselves who exchange the truth of God for the lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. We put the person above the presence. Hallelujah. How many of us are putting the person above the presence? When that woman came to Joseph and was looking good because those women in, in, in that high up in leadership probably weren't ugly. He said, this awful thing to God, why would I do this? He ran. He ran from the person and ran to the presence. What we're doing is we're running from people who we know are not good to us, but we don't have a presence to run to. So when we don't have a presence to run to, we'll run in circles and run back to the person we don't need. Oh, my gosh. We're running back to the unhealthy relationships. We're running back to the unhealthy friendships because we don't have a presence to be filled up with. Amen. And it says right here, for this reason, God gave them up to vow passions for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving their natural use of the women burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they didn't put the presence first. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not fitting. Listen, if we don't know how to access the presence, stay in the presence, 
We will get duped into thinking certain relationships, certain people we are supposed to be with, and the presence have something to say about that. Amen? It's in the presence you will find your spouse. It's in the presence you will stay pure. It's in the presence of God you will walk holy. Amen? It's in the presence we're full of joy. God didn't say, I'm full of joy in my wife's presence, although she brings me joy. God didn't say, I'm in full of joy of my, my pastor's presence. No, he said, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. So we don't have to worry about somebody not saying hi to us, not somebody not liking us, because my joy doesn't come from you. It comes from my father. It comes from my daddy. Amen? You can say amen on that one. You can clap as well. If we are not presence-driven, we will be people-driven. We will be lust-driven. We will be driven by all the wrong things. How do I know that? I came from a promiscuous life. See, in the culture that I was brought up in, you weren't a real man unless you were having sex with multiple women. You weren't a real man if you didn't have the finest girl on your side. You weren't a real man if you are not constantly having sex. But in that culture, it perverted me. It changed me. And I ended up making bad decisions that brought bad consequences in my life. Amen? But, but there is restoration. So I'm not here speaking as if I have it all together. What I'm saying is in the presence, God will change you. It's in the presence. God will turn a, a, a prostitute into a preacher. It's in the presence. God will turn a murderer into a minister. It's in the presence God will transform you from what Satan identifies you with until God identifies you with. In the presence, God is always speaking to the you you're becoming, not the you you're at right now. Lust, see, when we're fighting lust, it's not about how much I can handle. We should be fighting it with how much I can avoid. Amen? It's not about what you should even be avoiding. It's about who you should be pursuing. It, 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 I should be pursuing prayer. I should be pursuing presence. And in that pursuit, I forget about what I'm trying to avoid because I'm losing sight of self-consciousness and I'm gaining God consciousness. Amen. See, when I'm pursuing presence, I'm more conscious of God and who he says I am. Although I slipped up and had sex last night, guess what? I'm the righteousness of Christ. I'm pursuing God consciousness. Although I slipped up and watched pornography, guess what? I'm the righteousness of Christ. I'm pursuing God consciousness. Because you're not saved by your works. You're saved by grace. If it was works that didn't get you saved, then your unrighteous works can't make you unsaved. If it was your un if your works didn't get you saved, then your unrighteous works won't get you saved. So even in the midst of you transitioning out of a lust, you still have to declare that I'm the righteousness of Christ. That's a word for somebody in here. You, you, you feel like you're not worthy. You feel like I didn't messed up. I, went, I messed up so bad, I might as well just stay in this lustful situation and make the best out of it. Nah, you need to start declaring that I'm the righteousness of Christ. I am the righteousness of Christ. God is not faithful to you because you're faithful to him. God is faithful to you because Jesus is faithful to him. I'm coming on his coattail. I can come into the presence as if I'd never sinned because it's the blood of Jesus that makes me right, not my works that makes me right. Amen? You can't, you can't overcome lust with willpower. You need to overcome lust with grace power. Grace is that divine, the, the divine influence of God upon your heart which reflects in your life. Grace 
distributes faith. Grace allows me to yield to a finished work. Amen. You got to declare I am pure. I am walking righteously. Not God help me become it. No, I'm already it. Amen. That's what grace is about. But if we just use willpower alone without surrendering our will to the power of grace, we won't overcome it. We'll have six months of, pure, uh, of, of purity and then we'll backslide. We'll have one year of holy living and then we'll backslide because we're trying to willpower our way to holy living. It's not willpower that's going to keep you. It's the power of grace that's going to keep you. It's God's divine influence on your heart every single day. It's you entering into the presence every single day. This is why he told the children of Israel, only store enough manna up for today. Don't take manna for tomorrow. What he was trying to say is, you need me every day. Don't try to live off yesterday's presence. Don't try to seek tomorrow's presence. Seek today because it's sufficient in itself. No, you need the presence every single day. You need to put your YouTube on. You need to put your Pandora on. And you need to, like, before you go to work, just start worshiping the Lord. Amen? And get in his presence. Presence-filled people are powerful people. Amen? So, if God wants me to be free from lust, why is he tempting me? Why does God tempt me? Let's go to James 1. I want, I want to show you guys something because I know people feel that way sometimes. Why does God tempt me? Why do I have these desires of the same sex? Why, does I, why do I have these perverted, dark desires that I don't want to share with nobody? Check this out. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. It's not God tempting you. I'm, I'm going to bring some revelation. For temptation does not originate from God, but from our own flaws. For God cannot be tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each one is tempted when he is dragged away, enticed, and baited to commit sin by his own worldly desires, lust, passion, then when the illicit desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin has run its course, it gives birth to death. God is not tempting you. That's where you need to stop right there. Because if you keep thinking God is tempting you, you're going to keep having that rational mind that it's okay to give in to this lust. Guess what? It's not that God is tempting you. It's Satan throwing thoughts at you. And those thoughts that he throws at you, you allow to get into your imagination. And you fantasize about those things that you need to resist. And once it gets into your imagination, you start desiring it. Once you start desiring it, it becomes an emotion. And once it becomes emotion, you now feel like it's real. And this is how Satan gets you to use your will to surrender to his will. Amen? Our thoughts turn into imaginations. And our imaginations turn into desires. Our desires turn into emotions. And this is how Satan gets you to will to do his will. This is how you just said, I just felt like that person was the one, and they didn't feel the same way about you. <laughs> this is how we start claiming people. I want that one. Fellas, she off limit. I'm claiming her. I just feel so strongly about that person, and they don't feel the same way. This is how we start saying, I just feel like I was always born this way, to like guys, and I'm a guy, to like girls, and I'm a girl. Well, I always tell people, if you feel born that way, then you need to get born again. And when you're born again, if you still feel that way, you need to renew your mind. Because when, you, when, we, when we're saved, I can pray. I didn't pray for a heck of people, right? Pastor D, can you pray for me? I got this desire, and I want to just let it out of my life. And you, you put oil all on their head. You anoint them, and you pray for them. They fall out, all out in the spirit. And they're like, yes, 
that desire is broken, and then they come back a week later, and they acted back on that desire. What that is is a lack of renewing the mind. Sometimes we don't need to pray things away. We need to renew our mind of things away. Amen? If, if I have an ATM card, and I got all this money in the bank, and I want to withdraw this money, but then my ATM card is expired, I can put that ATM card in, but I will never be able to make the withdrawal and the transactions. If I got the power of God living on the inside of me, and I never renew my mind to what lives inside of me, I can never pull that power from within me. I can never pull that power because the Bible says submit to God and resist. I'm submitting to what's been deposited in me, and I'm resisting to what Christ said I can reject. I'm submitting what has been deposited in me. Christ, the hope of glory, so therefore I can resist anything that Christ tells me I can resist. Amen? So in the face of the most temptation, in the face of crazy stuff, I can choose to resist. I can choose to submit to God and resist Satan. But a lot of people are trying to resist Satan without submitting to God. Amen? So, I want to share this nugget with you guys. Jesus didn't come to rescue us from humanity. He came to rescue humanity from sinfulness. He came to rescue humanity not from sex, but from lust. Sex is good. Tell your neighbor, sex is good. Don't don't try to act like I ain't never did it. Come on. Are we all virgins in here? (laughs) Oh, man. I'm going to have to cast the spirit of lies out of here in Jesus' name. <laughs> we, just, we just try to act like, oh, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> sex is good. But guess what? Sex is even better when there's no shame attached to it. Sex is better when you have a license for it. We want a license for everything, but we won't get a license for sex. We got a license for guns. We got a license to drive a car. We got a license to be a therapist. We got a license for everything. But when it comes to sex, we don't want the commitment. We don't want the license. Amen? I got a license, and I'm happy. I use my license a lot. (laughs) Amen. Hopefully, uh, if it's all good, I'm going to use it today. (laughs) You know, Yo, le- fellas, you know, your wives love when you walk in holy. Hey, man, it turns them on. <laughs> hey, but, but you know what? The world has tried to pervert that it's not okay to talk about stuff like this. I'm not going to let Satan pervert what God has created to be good for me. I'm not going to let Satan pervert what God has called holy for me. Amen? I paid the price. I waited, what, a year and a half till we got married? I tried a couple times, but thank God I had a holy woman who shut it down. <laughs> Praise it. Clap it up for her. Amen. I tried a couple times, and I was a man of God. And, you know, but, but this, is, this is where we go wrong. This, we think we can stay tonight and not think something's going to happen. We think that we don't need no accountability, and I'm, I'm holier than what the scriptures say, because scriptures don't say walk with lust. It says flee from your lust. It says flee from it, which means I need to be careful if I'm in an intimate relationship or I'm in a relationship with someone, you know, I need to be very careful in my alone time with them, amen? I need some accountability. I need to make sure that I have people who can ask me personal questions to keep me pure, amen? And then when you stay pure, you can have the trophy on your honeymoon, amen? You can, you can consecrate that thing, <laughs> So check this out. What is lust? 
Lust can be defined simply as wanting something God has forbidden. Lust can be defined simply as wanting something God has forbidden. Lust can also mean uh, wanting what you don't have and obtaining it at the expense of our relationship with God. Wanting what you don't have and obtaining it at the expense of our relationship with God. Now, I'm going to pick on the ladies a little bit. I see so many ladies who are powerful Christian women, love the Lord, but for whatever reason, they get these guys that are not as sold out as them. And they think that they can carry the relationship at the expense of their relationship with God. Guess what? It's what you compromise to keep, you will eventually lose. What you compromise to keep, you eventually lose. That guy may need you to back up a little bit so God can work on him so he can bring him back to you. But because you're so impatient and so independent and used to doing things on your own, you're trying to help God where he don't need no help. And you're actually hurting God. You know, Well, you're not hurting God, you're hurting yourself because you can't hurt God. But we, you know what Satan wants to do? He wants to, steal the, he wants to steal the women and kill the men. We see in the story of David, he took the women, he took the spoils, and he wants to kill the men. But God, and, 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 and fellas, we, we got to do a better job at becoming godly men. Because sometimes our women are not attracted to us because we lack drive, we lack ambition, we lack motivation. And some of the men in the world have those things, but they don't have your God. You think because you got God, you can be lazy and that's going to make it all better. You think because you got God, you can procrastinate and she should just love you because you know how to pray. You think God called you to a full-time ministry while your wife is working and doing work, amen? You think you can stay home because you're extra spiritual and your wife does everything. No, no, no. We need men to rise up, walk righteously, because there's something about a righteous man and woman that a righteous woman or man can't deny. When you walk righteously before the Lord, we can start winning our women back, amen? I'm personally tired of seeing my sisters in Christ giving themselves over to men who profess to know Christ but really don't love my Christ. And see the, and Satan don't care if the engagement is good, if the courtship is good. He just wants that soul tie when you get married. Because then once you get married to a lukewarm man, oh, that's going to be a struggle for a long time in that marriage. You on fire, but you stop coming to church now because he never really wanted to come to church. You start... Stop tithing because he don't believe in giving to God. He's like, why are you giving the church all that money? We need to be careful. See, lust wants what it wants at the expense of the relationship with God. Check this out. Lust goes beyond attraction and appreciation of beauty or even a healthy desire for sex. It makes desires more important to God. Lust, lust wants to go outside of God's guidelines for satisfaction. Lust wants to go out of God's guidelines. Anytime you have to go outside of God's guidelines to fulfill what you want, that's lust. Amen? Y'all with me? So, uh, what's the time? How am I doing on time? How many minutes I got? Keep going. All right. So, check this out. I want to share the biggest misconception about lust. Men only deal with it. Ladies, y'all think y'all have been, you know, sneaky thinking you ain't got no lust. You've been trying to look all cute and reserved and subtle. The biggest misconception is that men only deal with it, or women that are extremely emotional only deal with it. The biggest misconception is that men are monsters when it comes to lust, 
and women are innocent and pure. <laughs> the truth is, everyone say the truth. It'll set you free. Men lusts are more obvious, but not necessarily more sinful. Because God created us to be visual, right? And, and, and pursuers and initiators, our lust is a little bit more aggressive and blatant. But God called women to be patient and wait and respond. So oftentimes women lust are more subtle and redefined. Why, God, why guys want the women in the X-rated or the women on the ad, women want to be the women in the ad. Why? While God, guys are lusting for, for pleasure, women want to lust for the power so they can get the guy to connect to them on an emotional and relational level. Now, guys use lust devoid of God to pursue sex, but when guys pursue sex in the context of lusting, it causes them to try to misuse what he created and conquer women, amen? Guys who operate in the spirit of lust, they no longer patiently wait, pursue and initiate and wait for the women to respond. They lie, they connive, they say they love you and don't really love you and just want to conquer you. And while women, when they lust, they want to seduce and manipulate just to get you to be connected to them. It's all lust. Whether one is more blatant and whether one is more subtle, lust is lust. Amen. The point I'm trying to make is all lust is bad. Tell your neighbor, all lust is bad. All lust is bad. Men typically are, again, more visual. As a result, their lust is more visible. But God made men to initiate, I'm saying this again, and pursue the expression of lust are often more aggressive and blatant. Women are wired to be the sexual responders and often is stimulated by being pursued and by touch. So their lust is more redefined and subtle. But lust is based on the same lie that satisfaction can be found apart from God without consequences. Now, just because you don't uh, experience those consequences right now don't mean that you won't experience them later. Amen? So, what I want to talk about real briefly, and I'm going to wrap it up, go with me to Ephesians 5 and 3. What is God's standard for purity? How do I overcome lust? Would anybody like to know? How do I overcome lust? Amen. Thank, thank you guys for being brave. Amen. I don't want nobody to know I'm dealing with it. <laughs> uh, Ephesians 5 and 3. It says, but among you there must not be even what? A hint of sexual immorality. Oh, my gosh. That sounds too impossible. You mean I can't take second and third looks? You mean after the first look I got to stop? Now... Let me ask you a question. One half poison pill may not can kill you, but if you keep taking a bunch of half poison pills, could it kill you? We think by taking a little bit of, like, let me see how much I can handle. We think this is all right. I'm rationalizing that I can look, that I can watch these rated R movies that have a positive message at the end, but it had an hour and 30 minutes of nudity, sexual perversion, and it had like just one positive message at the end that it's not going to affect us. When God says not even a hint, he also showed us um, in Matthew where he says, even if you lust after her, you've already committed adultery. Because he's trying to teach us something about the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is the parent to the natural realm. 
Whatever I incubate in my thoughts, I give birth to that in the natural. So if I keep lusting, taking second and third looks, if I keep watching these shows that have all this nudity, sexual perversion with a little bit of a positive message, it may not get me now, but that, start, that stuff starts adding up. And eventually it will begin to overflow in my life because I'm spiritually incubating it while, while I'm thinking about it, while I'm imagining it, and eventually that manifestation will come in the natural, amen? But the Bible says walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And the Bible also says the words I speak are spirit and life. Can you consecrate? Can you not be a civilian who entangles himself or herself in the things of the world so that you can be an alien, a stranger, so God can redeem his holy priesthood, his holy generation, that he can demonstrate his power through you? It costs to be a Christian. Tell your neighbor, it's going to cost you something. I really feel in my heart that God is calling the church to a new level of sanctification. We want the wisdom. We want the depth. We want the mysteries hidden to be revealed to us, but we don't want the consecration and separation to get those mysteries, to access these levels of wisdom and discernment. Amen? So one half poison pill may not kill us, but they add up. TV, media, music can stir up feelings and emotions that bypass our minds and go straight for our affections. You keep listening to these sexual songs and think that they're not going to play in your spirit. The thing about music, music knows how to disturb your conscience without your consent. Music knows how to bypass your filter to where the message comes in, and you may not even want that message to come in. Amen? Wondering why you, you feel in a certain way after you didn't listen to that song a bunch of times. Now, I'm not preaching legalism. I'm preaching that we have freedom in Christ, but not all freedom should be permissible. Not all freedom is beneficial. Amen? Freedom without self-control is just a comfortable prison. Freedom without self-control is just a comfortable prison. If you don't know how to manage your freedom with responsibility and self-control, you will erode your relationships. You will erode your relationship with Jesus. Amen. God does give us freedom, but he also gives us the fruit of the spirit, which is self-control. And guess what? Some of y'all need this too. He gives us long suffering. I know some of y'all like, Lord, please let me just have sex before Jesus comes. (laughs) Lord, I just want to experience a couple more times before you come. But don't let that be a stronghold, which makes you operate out of fear, which makes you jump the gun prematurely. Amen? When it comes to lust, we often think about how much we can avoid, but we need to be often pursuing how much, excuse me, when it comes to lust, instead of seeing how much we can avoid, we often try and see how much we can handle. So I'm going to close out real soon. I want to give you steps to overcome lust, and then we're going to close out. Number one, everyone say number one. Understand the battle is in the mind first. Are you taking those thoughts captive? Those vain thoughts and imaginations that are setting itself against your Savior, your Lord. Take it captive. If a thought comes in my mind to look at a girl's booty while I'm right next to my wife, I'm taking that thought captive. I'm like, no, that ain't God. No, amen. I I cast that thought down in the name of Jesus. You can't fight thoughts with thoughts. You can't have this Star Wars battle in your mind going back and forth. No, you need to speak to your thoughts. 
You need to speak the word so your mind can hear it and regurgitate it back when you need it. Amen. We need to understand, number two, the weapon is the word. We can't stay pure without the word. Jesus fought Satan by saying it is written. The Bible says in Psalms 119, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to his word. We are trying to be holy without his word. Amen. We are trying to walk in freedom without his word. Number three, the strategy is casting down the thoughts. And number four, retreating from our weaknesses. One way to walk in purity, you have to know your weakness. Fellas, if your weakness is going to the gym and seeing all these ladies in yoga pants, then stop going to the gym. Work out at home. Ladies, if your weakness is when you go to the beach and you see all these guys and, and, and they got abs and, and, and it's causing you to lust, then you might need to go to the beach at a different time. You got to know your triggers. You got to know your weaknesses. And when you find out what your weakness is, you have to set boundaries to protect those weaknesses. Partner with people. Expose your weaknesses. Bring it to the light. Amen. And I want to close on this. Um, Jude 1, 24. And I guess the, the worship team can come up as well if you guys were still doing that. It says right here, now to him who is able to keep you without stumbling or slipping or falling and to present you unblemished, blameless, and faultless before the presence of glory and triumphant joy and exaltation with unspeakable ecstatic delight. God can keep you. But guess what? God can only keep you if you keep yourself in his word. Somebody needs to hear that. You keep praying, God, keep me. God, protect me. But you have to put yourself in the word. That is your will. God can keep you if you keep yourself in him. Abide in me and I in you. Apart from me, you can't do nothing. Amen. And more importantly, the motive to be free from lust shouldn't be to be pure. Because if your motive is wrong, then you won't get a right result. The motive to be pure is knowing that you are already pure in Christ Jesus and you're walking out your purity. No, no, no. I'm not abstaining from lust to be pure. No, I'm already pure because the blood of Jesus made me pure. But I'm walking in that which Christ already declared over my life. I'm not, I'm not conjuring up self-works to be holy. No, I'm already holy because the blood did that. I'm not going to negate what the cross did. Because the cross paid the price. What Jesus did on the cross paid the price for me to be holy. Amen. And with that mindset, with that finished work in mind, you begin to walk out that truth and walk out that freedom. Amen. So I want to encourage you guys to stand up. I want to pray for you real quick. And I want to pray for anyone who's been struggling with lust. You look good on the outside, but you got some dark secrets on the inside. You are fighting a battle of lust, and God wants to liberate, liberate you from that. God can keep you. He can present you faultless. You just have to stir up your affections to the Lord and stay in the presence of God. You can't enter in and out the presence on a weekly basis. You have to stay in it. Walk with the presence. The Bible says in Exodus, the presence will go where you go. Amen. Everywhere I walk, the kingdom of God is at hand because I've learned how to cultivate, incubate, habitate the presence of God in my life. Therefore, when lust is around me, I declare freedom from sexual immorality. Therefore, when I'm tempted, I declare that I walk righteous against that temptation. 
Therefore, when I'm bombarded with lusts and temptations and all my social media news feed, I have the power and the authority to take back my mind and cast down those imaginations. Amen? If you're in here and you've been struggling with lust, you like Pastor D, man, that's me. And you're unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my heavenly Father. The first step to overcoming lust, like the testimony, like uh, Tara said, is you have to bring it to the light. You can't walk in darkness and expect to overcome it. Shame keeps you in your lust. It causes you to run back to it. Amen? Guess what? God doesn't want to expose your lust. He wants to cover your nakedness. He wants to hide you in him and cleanse you in him. Amen? So if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand, and I want to pray with you and for you. I'm struggling with this. I see those hands. I'm struggling with lust. I need to break this off of my life. I want to walk in the freedom that Christ has given me. Just raise your hand, and I want to pray with you and for you. And those of you guys that are around somebody raising their hand, I just want you to go to your brother, put your hand on them, and I want to begin to pray for them. If that's you, don't be ashamed. Let's expose the enemy for what he's trying to do in our life. Lust will destroy your marriage. Lust will destroy your business. Lust will destroy your ministry. Lust is not your friend. Lust is your enemy. God wants you to walk free from this so that you can walk in destiny and power. If we can sing. So if everybody is connected, I want you to stretch your hands towards somebody who raised their hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person in here that has acknowledged they need help. And Father, as we lift up our hands and acknowledge where our help comes from, God, I break the spirit of perversion right now in the name of Jesus. I take authority over the lust in their life. Father, I lose purity, Lord. I lose self-control and long-suffering. No longer will they focus on what they should avoid, Lord. I pray that they will focus on what they're pursuing, and that's you. Father, I apply the blood of Jesus over their lives, Lord. I call them back into the light, Father, in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the spirit of shame and guilt off of their life. I break every soul tie to pornography. I break every soul tie to any addictive relationship. I break the spirit of perversion, same-sex attraction. I demolish it, destroy it, and dissolve it right now in the name of Jesus. The blood is against you. Father, we take full authority over every satanic, every diabolical assignment over their lives right now in the name of Jesus. We declare their freedom. We declare that tonight will be a rememberable night that they walk in freedom, Father God. We claim back those broken pieces that they have given to someone else. And we claim restoration to their bodies, restorations to their hearts. We declare that they can love again, that they can believe again, they can have faith again in the name of Jesus. And we just thank you for it right now. And Father, we receive it by faith through your grace, the finished work. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.